morning. Glad y'all are here. Why don't we stand as we begin singing our first song, uh, Glorious Day. Sing with me. I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made you. And I was breathing but not alive And all my failures I've tried to hide It was my turn Till I made you You called my name Into your previous day, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your previous day. Your mercy has saved my soul, and now your freedom is all that I know. The only new Jesus, when I met you, you called my name. Into your glorious day, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day. rescue I needed rescue my sin was heavy but chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter why was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when I was broken you were my healing now your love is the end I breathe my eyes are open Cause when you call my name I ran out of that place And out of the darkness Into your glorious day You call
You guys can be seated. Amen. It is good to see each and every one of you this morning. I'm so glad that you have come to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who is crucified for our sins. And he rose again. And he gives life to everybody who believes in him. So every day in Christ is a glorious day, isn't it? Amen. Even when it's cold outside. So aren't you glad you came? I hope that your hearts will be warm towards the Lord this morning as we worship Him together. If you're a guest or a visitor with us, we are especially glad to see you. And if you picked up a copy of a church bulletin on your way in this morning, there's a little guest information tear-out just inside this bulletin. If you'll fill that out and then place it in the offering plate when it comes by later in the service, I'd love the opportunity this week just to follow up with you and get to know you a little bit better. There's also a place on the bottom of that form if you have a prayer request, whether you're a a guest, a member, a, a visitor, it doesn't matter if there's any way that our church staff can pray for you tomorrow during our staff meeting. If you'll fill that out and put it in the offering plate, we'd love the opportunity to pray over your needs this week. There's some other information in your bulletins about upcoming events and activities, and I hope that you'll take note of those. But I'm just going to highlight a couple things for you right now. Tonight starts a couple of discipleship groups. Mr. Josh Clem is going to be teaching through the book of Revelation. So if you've ever gotten to that last book in the Bible and wondered what in the world John saw and what it meant, come and be more confused. No, huh? Josh is going to teach through that, provide some clarity uh, over the next few weeks. And I trust that as you read through the book of Revelation and study that, the Lord will, will encourage your heart and, uh, and help you grow in the knowledge of His Word. So if you have questions about that class, uh, you can see Josh Clem. Uh, also tonight, we have a Financial Peace University that is beginning. And Miss Rhonda Clements and Randy are going to be in there tonight uh, teaching through that class. So if you're wondering how to set up a, a budget at home and you're wondering how to steward your financial resources wisely, I know that they'd love the opportunity to work through that with you. Uh, it's a course that is uh, taught by video from a man named Dave Ramsey, and he's just got some good biblical principles and a, a good framework from which to use the resources God has given you. So if you've got questions about that, you can see uh, Rhonda or Randy after the service. I know they love to fill you in. So here's how it's going to work. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're all going to gather in here for worship. Everybody, even in, including uh, those in those couple classes. And we're going to send our children and teenagers uh, back to go to their discipleship classes. And then if you want to be a part of, uh, of that Revelation study or Financial Peace University, we'll allow you to go back there. And if you don't, but you still want to come tonight and worship, I'll be preaching in here as part of our evening worship service uh, through, throughout the Sunday night weeks ahead. So hope that you'll come back tonight. I know you'll be blessed if you do. And then also coming up this week is uh, the Women's Ministry Banquet to kick off the new year. Uh, actually, sorry, that's next week, Tuesday the 21st, all right, at 6.30. So take, take note of that. Put it on your calendars, ladies. Invite your friends. Uh, our very own Miss Debbie Smith is going to be speaking on the topic, Sisters with a Divine Purpose. So uh, come to that uh, Ladies' Ministry Banquet on Tuesday night. 
January the 21st, to be at 6.30. Would you join me in prayer as we continue to worship the Lord this morning? Father God, we are so thankful for this time that we can come together as believers and call upon the name of your Son, Jesus. We know that He is the one who died for our sins and who rose again. And God, we thank you for the life that you give to us when we believe in Him. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we sing your praises, as we pray to you, as we give our tithes and our offerings, and as we study your word, would you be honored and glorified. God, would you help us to live each and every day in light of the life of Jesus Christ in us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, kids, come on down here with Bryson for a children's sermon this morning. Still got some more coming. Yeah, yeah we do. Can Hello? Can you hear me? Can anybody hear me? No. I know y'all can't. Can you hear me now? No? 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 All right, well, I'll just talk loud, okay? How's that? All right. Oh, there it goes, maybe. All right, there we go. All right. So, whoa, now I'm on. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. You're not feeling good? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I hope you feel better. little cough. It's about that time of year to get coughs. Okay, so, well, good morning. Well, the other day, let's see, it was Friday, I think it was. It started to rain, okay? Um, did anybody see it raining Friday? Yeah, and then we had, yeah, we had a little rain Saturday. Yeah, and we had some storms come through. But Friday, I came up to the church to do a little painting on the kids' hallway, okay? And it got about... Yeah, it got about lunchtime, so I decided to go eat lunch. So I shut off the lights, I walked out the door, and about the time I walked out the door, guess what happened? Man, it poured down, okay? It started raining buckets, okay? And I got soaking wet when I was getting out to my truck. I had water. I'll tell you in a minute. I had water coming off the top of my bill and everything. That's right. So... You know, sometimes I walk out and I forget. Even when it's raining or if the forecast has got rain, I forget an umbrella. And guess what? If it rains, I get wet, okay? I just have to wear it, right? So today, when it's not raining, I thought I would bring a couple umbrellas, okay? But not because it's raining, but I want to tell you about something that I figured out, okay? I want to talk to you about protection. I'm going to talk to you about protection and shelter. Okay, so a big umbrella has good protection, okay? 
So, would you like, would you like to see how big a protection this umbrella is, right? Would you like to? Okay. All right. So, adults, kids, if you are superstitious, you might want to look away or close your eyes for a minute or two, okay? So, this umbrella is a pretty good size umbrella, okay? And it opens up to a pretty good, let's, let's do something. Let's see if everybody can get under here. Can you get under here? Can we all get under here? I don't know. We'll see. I think we can squeeze under here. Okay. We can squeeze. All right. All right. Okay. All right. That's a good job. Everybody go sit back down. So this is, this is a pretty good size umbrella. Okay. And it gave us a pretty good protection. Right. So. Yeah. So umbrellas, listen guys, umbrellas are simple. Okay. They're pretty simple. Okay. You can put them in your backpack, carry them to school. Okay, um, you can leave them in your mom and dad's vehicle, okay, or set them by the door as you walk out, and guess what, if it's raining, you have protection, okay, when that rain comes down, what's it going to do? It's going to hit that umbrella, and it's going to go all around you, okay, where it won't hit you, so I thought about something today, umbrellas is kind of like a shelter, right, and I read something this week about shelter, I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 61.4. Can you say Psalm 61.4? Okay, here we go. It says, I will dwell in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter of your wings. So, this, this scripture compares God's care and protection. Hold on just a second, okay? Compares God's care and protection like being under a tent. Have everybody been in a tent before? Been in a tent? You go into, inside a tent you never been inside a tent before? Okay. So, a tent, a tent goes in, you can go in a tent, and you zip it up and protect it. This is kind of like a tent, right? It's a tent that you can carry with you, okay? It protects you. So, in this scripture, you think about God's love, okay? Think about his love, and when it starts to rain, okay? Not physically rain outside, but bad things in your life, or, or you're going through things, it rains and storms in your life, you will have God's shelter, God's tent, God's shelter to protect you wherever you go, right? Okay? doesn't protect people bumping into you, but um, so God's love. You can think when it rains and storms in your life, think of an umbrella. When you see an umbrella open and people are carrying it and you're seeing the rain go all around them, think about God's love, Okay? It rains down on you, rains down and rains down. God's umbrella, God's love, God's tent is over you, and it's sheltering and protecting you. Okay? So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, the service we've already had, the song service. Thank you for Sunday school. Um, and also thank you for your, your shelter, your protection, uh, your love for us. Help us to remember that when it storms, in our life, that you're there with your umbrella, sheltered, or your umbrella unfolded and sheltering us from everything that comes at us. Uh, thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We ask this, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.
Let's stand as we continue singing some songs of worship to our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, for this next one, we sang this last week to kick off the new year, the new decade. But we want to keep on bringing this one back uh, for the time being. It's called Good Grace. Sing along with us. People come together. People come together. Strangers, neighbors, our blood is one. Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come. So don't let your heart be troubled Hold your head up high Don't fear no evil Fix your eyes on this one truth God is madly in love with you So take courage, hold on, be strong Remember where our help comes from redemption Jesus our redemption our salvation is in his blood Jesus light of heaven friend forever his kingdom come so don't let your heart be trouble hold your head up high don't fear no evil fix your eyes on this one truth god is madly in love with you so take her shoulder be strong remember where our hell comes around Jesus, swing wide, 
Are you heaven? Let the breeze go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. One last time, swing wide, swing wide. Are you heaven? Let the breeze go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus.
clothed in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is Everything and I will come forward for the time of offering. Um, 
for someone that's talked to a lot of young people about Christ, that threw me back a little bit. And as I'm looking around, and, and I know the, the one thing, I, I didn't have a very good answer for him, but here's one that, that I think, and I don't know if this is okay to say in church, but I'm going to say it anyways, because I'm not the pastor, so you can't fire me. But uh, thank you, Dr. Boyd. Amen. But um, sometimes life just sucks. And I look around and I see there's, there's a lot of people in this room that um, I feel like that's, that's going on. And so when we, when we do our offering, you know, the one thing about offering is it, it shows, you know what? God, no matter what's going on in my life, I'm still here. And I'm still following you. So let's pray. Father, we, we do thank you, God. And I thank you, God. I thank you, Father, for the good and the bad. Father, sometimes it feels like we're just getting hit with bad. But the, the good thing is, is that uh, we have hope and we have victory in you. And victory doesn't look the same to us as it does to you. And, and God, I thank you for that. I thank God that victory is found in Jesus. And it is because of your son, it's because of what you've done that where you sent your son to die for us that, that Father God, that we can stand here and we can complain, we can whine because our victory is not found in our jobs, our victory is not found in our marriage, our victory is not found in, in anything that we're doing. Victory is found in Jesus and we thank you for that. So right now, God, we give you our offerings. We give you whatever we have, Father, whether it be a dime, whether it be a thousand dollars, whatever it may be, we give it to you, Father God, because we know that our victory is found in you. We praise you in Jesus' name.
I want you to take a field trip with me this morning. Don't worry, you don't have to ride the school bus. But you probably did when you visited the planetarium. Anybody go there? They're in elementary school. Yeah. I remember looking from my seat into the planetarium when we visited space camp in Alabama. It was a big, huge planetarium. Screen that was spherical. It just kind of stretched from one end to the other. Like you, you could keep seeing the stars that were projected on the black screen in your peripheral vision. Even when you turned your head a little bit, you couldn't see the seats underneath the screen. It was just huge and wide. And I remember sitting there on our sixth grade field trip to space camp, all excited about what they were going to show us on this screen that we were looking at. And the very first shot after the lights went out was this big black picture of space and the stars shining in the sky. And it was so dark where we were seated on the floor level that you, you could look and you couldn't see anybody next to you. The seats were kind of spaced out. And I went, oh. And my mom had come with me. I said, hey, mom, are you over there? She said, yeah, be quiet. I said, mom, I'm kind of scared. She said, what? I said, I really am. She said, are you okay? Do you need to leave? I said, no, no, I'm just, I'm a little scared. She said, why? I said, I don't know. But all I can do is just look up and I don't see anything but big, black, open, empty space and stars shining way out there. And it really did kind of scare me just for a moment. And then they showed pictures of the moon, you know, and did this little uh, rocket takeoff and it was all fun after that. But in that moment that I was looking up into that black, empty space, I thought, man, you could get out here by yourself floating as an astronaut and nobody would ever know you were out there I mean just be floating in this empty space the universe from one end to the other I think that's how we feel a lot of times in life isn't it that we're here and we're a little scared because sometimes we feel all alone Sometimes we feel like everything going on around us is so much bigger than we ever could comprehend or understand, and we kind of go, whoa, what am I doing here? Am I all by myself? Hey, hey, God, are, God, are you still there? Yes, I'm here, he replies. But at the same time that that may scare us, it also ought to excite us. It ought to evoke this idea within our hearts that there is something so much bigger than us. In fact, I think what Space Camp did for me more than anything on that little sixth grade field trip was to open my eyes to just how big the universe really is. And when you stop and think about the vastness of the universe... You can't help but think of the greatness of the God who made it all. How big is He to have formed galaxies and stars, all of space? And this same God who created the stars to shine is the same God who created me. To shine and to display His glory to a dark world around me. 
So when you stop and think about why you're here, what reason do you come up with? I want to talk to you on the subject of a God-sized vision today. A God-sized vision for your life, for this church. A vision is a picture of a preferred future. And this morning, I want to encourage you to get a God-sized vision for your life and for this church's ministry. The fact of the matter is, nobody can live your life for you. I mean, I can't live your life for you. Your mama can't live your life for you. Your friends can't live your life for you. You've got to catch the vision that God has for your life. And you've got to live the life that God has given to you. On the other side of this coin, even though somebody can't live your life for you, God can and wants to accomplish His will through you. So the question you and I have to ask when we come to this subject of a God-sized vision for life and ministry is this. Will I live my life for myself? Or will I allow Christ to to do God's will through me? And if, if that's too philosophical or spiritual of a question for you, then perhaps you can begin praying the same thing my niece prayed last night before she went to bed. Stephanie had told me what what my niece had prayed. She said, Jesus, help me to love you more than I love myself. Pretty profound for a four-year-old, isn't it? But she was beginning to get a good picture of what life is all about. A God-sized vision has more to do with your view of God's greatness than it does with the greatness of your own imagination. If we want God to do what only He can do, then we have to allow Him to do what He wants to do. Oftentimes, God will not do all that He can do in His great power because we're trying to do all that we can do in our own power. It's kind of like we look around and we go, God, yeah, I know you made all of this and I know you made me, but God, I think I've got it from here. God does not want us to do something we cannot do. He simply wants us to allow Him to do what only He can do. Since we, since when did we become the center of the universe? Since when did we become the creator of the universe? God made it all, and it all belongs to Him. God wants to do more in this church and through this church than we want to do ourselves. God wants to do in your life more than you want to do yourself. When it comes to having a God-sized vision for life and ministry, we, we contribute a few problems that keep God from doing all that He wants to do in, in our lives and in his church. First, our vision for life and ministry is just sometimes too small. We don't have enough forward thinking. We see what we currently have or don't have. Money, time, people, space. And so we think that we can never do this. But we've never stopped to think about what God can do. Sometimes our vision's too small. 
At other times, our vision gets too blurred. This is the second problem that we face and we contribute to it. Sometimes our vision is blurred. We dream, but we're too lazy to join God in His great work. Or we dream big, but we try to achieve some great picture of a preferred future without God's power. Still yet, there's a third hindrance to experiencing all God wants us to do in our lives and all God wants us to do in His church. There are times when our vision is just too big. Here's what I mean. We get big-headed and we think that we are achieving something great. We start building our own empire and we forget about God's kingdom. All of a sudden, life and ministry becomes about what we have done and not about what God is doing. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, we have a written record of Paul's God-sized vision for the church and for the believers in Ephesus. His vision is stated as a prayer, and really these two verses are the tail end of a prayer that begins a few verses earlier. In his vision, we uncover three truths to which he held dear as he prayed for God to have his will and his way among these believers and in that church. These truths help us to have a God-sized vision for our lives and as Christian people for our church body as well. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a good prayer, isn't it? The first truth that Paul presented in this prayer, in this vision, is that God can do far more than we ask or think. God can do far more than we ask or think. It kind of erases the idea we have sometimes when our vision is too small. God can do far more than we ask or think. Just stop and ponder for a moment where Paul was praying. As he prayed this prayer. He wasn't present in the church in Ephesus. In fact, he wasn't free in the sense that the Ephesians were. Going about their daily lives. Doing the normal work of life. Ephesians is a prison epistle. Paul wrote this while he was in chains. And just think about how Paul prayed and what he prayed even while he was absent from this church body, even while he was imprisoned. Paul in his prison prayed more for this church than we often do in our freedom. Paul, who was absent from his church, wanted to be there more than we who are present here this morning sometimes want to be here. Can I tell you why those two statements were true? Paul stopped asking God what Paul could do. And he started asking God what God could do. 
Instead of looking at things and going, you know, God, I, I don't really know if I can do much good here in this prison away from Ephesus. He said, God, I know I'm not there, but I know you're there. And God, I, I know that I'm in prison, but I know that the word of God is not in prison. And what happened in Paul's life and in this Ephesian church is interesting, isn't it? Paul continually witnessed even to the guards that were around him. Even to the point that we have reference in Scripture that some of Caesar's household became professing Christians. And in the Ephesian church, believers continued to grow in their faith and in the knowledge of God's Word. And they continued to grow in holiness. And they also continued to outreach to their community to share the gospel with friends and family members and more people were giving their lives to the Lord and their community was being transformed. Paul stopped thinking about what those Ephesian Christians could do and started thinking about what God could do in His power. I like what Adrian Rogers used to say, Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? God can do far more than we ask or think. What have you been asking God to do as you've been praying about your life and as you've been praying about this church? Are you praying prayers that will outlast your own time here on earth? Or are you only praying prayers that will make your temporary stay here a little more comfy? Notice that Paul didn't just say God should get the glory in his life and in this present condition of the church in Ephesus, but that God should get the glory to all generations forever and ever. Are you praying prayers that will only benefit you? I mean, Paul could have focused on himself and the shape that he was in and the situation that he was in. But instead, he was praying for other believers and for God's kingdom to continue to advance. Are you praying prayers that only benefit you or are you praying prayers that will impact eternity? I've heard it said that Christians keep praying and asking what God's will is for their lives, but they never stop and ask God what His will is for this world He's made. Maybe if you try to figure out and find out what God's will is for this world, that His kingdom would come, that His will would be done on earth as it's done in heaven your prayers would start to change and your life would start to change. When you pray according to God's will in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, then you just get to wait and watch and see what God does. If, in fact, I dare you to do that. Start praying, not about what you can do or about what our church can do, but about what God can do in your life and through your life. And what God can do in this church and through this church. And just see what happens. Just stop and, and see what God does. I think what you and I will find is not that God is too small to answer our big prayers. But that our prayers have been too small for God's provision and wisdom. It's not that he doesn't care about you and about your life. He just knows that your life is about way more than what you think it is. Because so oftentimes we think our lives are about ourselves. So oftentimes we think our church is about our church. But really our lives and our church is all about God's kingdom 
and giving Him glory. It's not about what we can do for God. It's about what God wants to do and can do and will do in us and through us. Hold on to that first truth as you get a God-sized vision. God can do far more than we ask or think. If you want a God-sized vision, you've got to believe that truth and act upon it. God can do far more than we ask or think. Second truth that we see in Paul's prayer and his vision here. God's power is at work in our lives and in His church. Notice after that opening phrase, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, Paul put in these words, according to the power that works within us. See, here's what I've found out. God doesn't want to do all this great work on His own and leave His people out of it. He wants to include and involve His people in the work that He's doing and He wants to do. Our God is a living God. He's not dead. The fullness of God's love was demonstrated in the sacrificial death of His Son Jesus Christ for our sins. But the fullness of God's power was demonstrated in the victorious resurrection of His Son Jesus from the grave. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us as believers today. This is the power Paul was talking about. The power that works within us. If God can bring your dead, sin-ridden heart back to life, can He not also transform the drug addict in our community? I didn't hear you say yes. Do we believe that, though? Do we believe that God's Spirit, that His power is at work in us and in our church? If God can save you from the lies you've told, can He not also reach the Basutu people who are living in darkness in Africa? If God can take a hell-bound little boy and give him a new home in heaven, can He not restore broken homes in Walnut Ridge and Hoxie? Yes. This power of God is His very presence in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. Those of you who are part of a Sunday school class, these past few weeks you've been looking at passages and numbers and, and soon you'll be in Deuteronomy. And maybe you've read or heard about God's presence dwelling with His people, Israel, in the tabernacle. You remember they set up that house of worship And there God manifested His presence. He showed up in the middle of His people. His glory shining for all to see. Came down as a pillar of fire out of the sky. And when the pillar of fire was up, they packed up the tabernacle and moved until the pillar of fire came down. In the same way that God lived among His people then, directing them, protecting them and assuring them, the Holy Spirit now lives in those of us who have believed that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. The moment we called upon Jesus Christ as our Lord, the Holy Spirit moved into our hearts and He took over. He became a permanent resident in our lives. And here's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes over. He shows us sins that we need to confess. He shows us where we need to avoid temptation. 
He shows us promises from God's Word to claim when life just stinks. Where's Josh? He shows us that. He shows us promises we can claim even when life isn't perfect. And He also gives us truths to live by. What happens next to many Christians is that we don't like what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. You know, He's moved in and rearranged the furniture. And so we shove Him into a corner guest room and say, we're glad that you're here, but I need the keys back, and I want you to stay, but this is my house. When we do that, we begin to live our lives in our own power. We say that we want to follow Jesus, but yet we're trying to tell Jesus where to take us. When we do that in our own lives, we fail to realize God's power. When a church does that, a church begins attempting to do God's work without God's power. That's why instead of saying, this is what, God, I'm going to do and I want you to bless it, or this is what our church is going to do and we want you to bless it, we need to make sure that we're praying and seeking the Lord, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want this church to do? God, what are you doing around me? Where are you working? I want to join you in your work. I don't want to ask you to join my work. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and in this church. I mean, really, our lives and this church are not our lives or our church. It's His. Are you going to let Him work in power, or are you going to keep trying to do all the work yourself in your own weakness? Man, I typed that question out on my computer, and God slammed it in my face this week. Let me ask you again. Are you going to let Him work in His power? Or are you going to keep trying to do all the work yourself in your own power? The second truth we need to live by as we seek a God-sized vision is that God's power is at work in the lives of His people and in His church. And then third, at the end of Paul's prayer here, at at the end of his great God-sized vision for these Ephesian believers and their church, Paul said to Him, to the Lord... Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. This is the third truth by which we get a God-sized vision. God gets all the glory for what He does. God gets all the glory for what He does. The times when people get themselves in trouble most is when they have come to think that they're responsible for the great work that God has done, right? The moment we turn our gaze from the one seated upon the throne of heaven who is worthy of worship and instead we begin to glance in the mirror and pat ourselves on the back with a little bit of praise of, Jake, look what you did, is the moment God removes his hand of blessing and says, okay, sir, let's just see what you can do. Or, here you go, church. You want to know how great you are? Let's see it. You know, there's something interesting about the early church and disciples that's recorded in the New Testament. The more that God used them to bring the message of salvation to the world, the more they praised God and gave glory to Him. And the more they praised God, the more He used them to change the world. They didn't stop to check their accomplishments 
make plaques for themselves, or hand out certificates. They pressed forward to reach more so that God could receive the glory He was due, and by the way, He still is due to this day, and will be due of our praise for all of eternity. I was reminded this week of the story of the first two young Moravian missionaries to the islands of St. Thomas and St. Croix. Under the tutelage of Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf, just say that name three times real fast, these men sensed a strong call to take the good news of Jesus to the African slaves working in the Dutch West Indies. Although their desire was commendable, the breaking of a social norm to associate themselves with slaves and the practicality of such an endeavor were major obstacles. I mean, nobody wanted them to go. They they thought they were crazy and absolutely nuts. When a ship was finally procured for the first two of the 29 missionaries who went, by the way, of these 29 missionaries, 20 died taking the gospel to these slaves. The two men leaving on the boat, shouted back to their friends who were on the, on the docks there, a pledge. This was the cry of their heart. Listen to this. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. God gets all the glory for what he does. Has the Lord Jesus received the reward of his suffering in your life? Will Christ receive the reward of his suffering through the ministry of this church? Stop and think about this for a moment. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering in the children and teenagers who come to know his salvation as he works through our church this year. May the lamb that was slain Receive the reward of his suffering through the Americans and Africans whose lives are transformed by the power of the gospel. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering in the men and women of this church who are growing in their discipleship and in their desire to reach the lost. May we all desire to give our lives and to give this church to Jesus so that he may receive all of the praise, the honor, and the glory that he deserves. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come together this morning and to worship you. God, I pray that we would get a God-sized vision for our lives and for this church. God, that we would stop asking what we can do in our own strength and power for our own praise and glory. And we would start asking what you can do in your great power to receive all of the honor and glory that you are due. Father God, I pray that our heartbeat this morning would be the same as that of those two men who went out so long ago, crying from their heart, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.
God, we know that you want to do a great work in bringing people to know you. We know that you want to change lives and hearts and homes and our entire community. And so, God, I pray that we would get a God-sized vision for our lives and for this church. God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. The lamb whose blood was shed on the cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be saved. God, I pray if there is somebody here today who doesn't have a God-sized vision for their life because they don't yet know you. God, I pray that today, that this morning, They'd stop looking at themselves as the center of the universe. And they'd begin to look to you, the creator of the universe. Who sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Who raised his son Jesus from the dead and promises to give life, eternal life and abundant life to all who believe in what Jesus has done for them. God, would you be honored and would you be glorified in our lives and in this church. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'll be standing down here in the front. If God has been speaking to your heart this morning and you need somebody to pray with you, I'd love to do that. This altar is open if you just need to come and kneel in prayer and speak with the Lord for a few moments. As God calls you, would you respond to him?
amen. It's been good to worship with all of you this morning. I hope to see you back at 6 o'clock tonight here in the sanctuary. Our college students are beginning their college, their college and young adult Bible study today. So if that's you, you guys meeting in the Mac today, Walter? They're meeting at the Norville's house, so party over there this afternoon, all right? If you are interested in helping provide a, a meal on Sundays for our college students and our young adults and their Bible study, please talk with Mary Norville. Uh, they're planning out the, the semester for this spring already, so if you're willing to have college students over to your house and some young adults over to your house, or if you're just willing to make the meal up here in the Mac to host them after church on Sunday morning, I know that, uh, that Miss Mary and Walter would, would appreciate it. I know these college students would too, all right? So it's good to see them today. Good to see all of you. We'll be dismissed with victory in Jesus. I heard an old